0: All right. Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is uh, Scotty Hertz from Open Sources Guelph. And
1: Adam, I'm not sure whether this show is the one that's in the metaverse or Open Sources <laughs> is, but uh, the lead Are in was confusing there because I'm like, I don't know what to say. It's a different show, but we'll <laughs> just roll. Yeah.
0: Yeah, full I was seat. Seat. right. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, I was so confused. Like, did I hit the wrong zoom link? Yeah, on my calendar here. Like, <laughs> the day is different, the time. I'm like, I don't know, am I coming or
1: going? Uh, but no, ha- happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me on uh, end credits.
0: Oh, we're happy I've to. Done, I yeah, have done the
1: full slate of uh, Donaldson projects now, so.
0: I think you have too, and it's a very small club. Um, <laughs> who, who have? Like two. in a jacket or something. <laughs> I should have jackets. You're right. You're right. Uh, and Cornets is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at three p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new World War II spy drama Operation Mincemeat, which you can now stream on the Netflix. And oh so, yeah, uh, Scotty is here. Scotty picked uh the movie and uh people may not know that scotty and i do talk movies on open sources at least once a year at christmas time Mm -hmm. at least not like you know if it comes up conversationally as sometimes happens but just like in terms of explicit movie episodes we do have one we do on open sources every year
1: and we veer into the topic before and after the recording of the show, usually that the outtakes that people don't hear is usually about a film of some kind, I would imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah, the cutting room floor stuff. The cutting room floor
1: has all the <laughs> all the skinny on what's going
0: on. So um, we, we do appreciate uh, Scotty joining us, uh, actually filling in for, ironically, a co-host who's, uh, she is out on the campaign trail doing political stuff. So it's somewhat ironic. We had to bring in the co-host from the political show <laughs> in the metaverse. She's, she's- <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, so since we're talking about a world war two movie um, operation mincemeat, uh, we thought it might be fun to talk about some of our favorite war movies. Um, so Scotty, you, um, you, you have heard the show before, but yeah. uh, usually we don't, you know really stand on ceremony here and do any kind of elaborate you know introductions or quote Roger Ebert or anything we just kind of get right into it so we've each prepared three so why don't you kick us off with your first favorite war movie
1: my first favorite and these aren't in any order obviously is uh is Das Boot
0: Mm -hmm. from
1: 1981 I, I will I have a reputation I will watch anything that involves the nazis losing uh with code breaking or with the resistance i will watch it all but of course the one um the one factor is that they always have to lose this may be an exception well i mean the nazis obviously did lose but this is an exception in terms of portraying world war ii from the german perspective mm-hmm. uh, i tell you, a lot of people there's been a few versions of this there was the wide release 40 years ago there was a director's cut And then there was a, I don't know if you saw it, Adam, there was a mini series also based on the same series of books. Uh, So, yeah, uh, Das Boot was based on a book with somebody that was actually on U boats in World War II. It was a propagandist. Uh, But again, it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't glorify Nazism at all. And supposedly the uh, U boat crews then had a reputation for uh, being, let's just say, slightly more anarchic than, uh, (laughs) you know, the rest of the they weren't obviously representing Nazis, but the way this film was presented, I don't think they would have been able to do it any other way. Now, remember this is a West German movie because, you know, as an end result of world war II, Germany was divided in into two, but in terms of that, and I had to rewatch the preview just to kind of refresh myself. Because it's been a long time since I've seen this, although I did watch the miniseries, which is also very good. Uh, the, the, the way it was filmed and presented and the feeling of being in, Uh, a U boat. They absolutely nailed it considering the times it would be much easier to do now. I think with the tech, but there's one, I'm I'm not giving too much away here, but there's one scene of course, where the, the, the boat gets stuck, the Mm -hmm. submarine gets stuck. And it's, it's, it is the best scene because they managed to build all of this drama with very, you know what I mean? With very little, you feel the claustrophobia, you feel it's, you feel weirdly sympathetic for the German Navy uh, and it's, it's an interesting way uh, to feel, but again, you know, this is based on reality and real perspectives without being, you know, overtly Nazi, which they wouldn't have been allowed to do, but
0: yeah. yeah, you,
1: he, You've seen it obviously Adam or maybe. Yeah, some... No,
0: I've seen it, uh, seen it, loved it. Uh, felt the claustrophobia. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's such a great little sort of, you want to say capsule movie because it mm-hmm. almost entirely takes place inside the sub um, with very rare occasions actually going to the surface, breaking the surface where they actually, you know, pop the pop the hatch and are able to go topside. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it is it, it is such a great little atmospheric movie. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's sort of the rare movie. And, you know, I think we've kind of gotten. A few big movies that are from the German perspective um, I mean even World War One, like All Quiet on the Western Front is from the German point of view um, Valkyrie the, the Tom Cruise produced movie about uh, the the team that tried to overthrow Hitler after D-Day but yeah uh, let's just say if you want to do a, a World War II accurate movie in Germany uh, you're going to have to do some paperwork <laughs> oh yeah, and Das and Boot was filmed kind of not in real
1: time, but they it took them a while to film it, like over the course of a year. So the beards are real, yeah, and the the kind of the haggard look that people have because the set was, I mean, it wasn't an actual U boat. Um, and funny enough, I was able to, like not that long ago I was in Chicago pre COVID. And there is a, there's an actual U-boat at the Chicago Museum of Science. And mm. to go on that and see what it was actually like
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: was like, oh, my goodness. So it, it sort of strengthened the man. They managed to nail it in Dust Boot uh, for <laughs> sure.
0: All right. My first pick is, uh, <laughs> oddly enough, it, it popped up as a recommendation after Operation Meat was over. Um, so it felt right. It felt uh, synergetic. Even Though it's a film about World War One, it's uh 1917, uh-huh. which came out a couple years ago, so this may be recency bias talking. Mm-hmm. But I have always had a love of movies that are well, they look like they were done all in one shot, although we know that they weren't. I uh, I, I collect um <laughs> I collect these movies oddly enough, so oh. um, you know, rope. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock, I mean, which was based on a stage play, so relatively easy to stage. Um, a really small independent movie starring Bruce Campbell called Running Time is another one, which is a heist movie, which is uh, almost done in, or made to look like it was done in all in one shot. You know? But this, like, to do a two-hour World War One movie with, like, explosions and trenches and two guys walking um, from their camp to Another camp to deliver orders. Uh, it is truly a technical marvel. Um, so, Sam Mendes was the director. Uh, Roger Deakins, the goat, greatest of all time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cinematographer. Um, so many great shots. Uh, although they do, <laughs> they they do manage to uh, uh, manage to separate two parts of the film with a convenient, with one of the soldiers having a convenient blackout. Uh, wow. He gets knocked out. So he wakes up several hours later and it's night, but that, that leads us to one, like this really tremendous action sequence where he's running from Germans through like the hovel of, of this French town. And it's like pitch black night. And the only light is coming from whatever fires there are. And then mortars that are going off in the sky. So um I, I did get a chance to see it on the big screen. It, it came out um, Christmas 2019. So literally before right everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it, it is tremendous to, uh, to see it in, in that atmosphere, but it still works on TV. Uh, you know, you can still enjoy the, the, just the technical mastery of, of um, the, the staging and also the acting too. The two actors in it are really, really good. And I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but um. Yeah, I mean, it's also got a lot of big name actors, including Colin Firth in small roles. So, oh. um, yeah, it's a it's, uh, it's, it's a great uh, piece of acting for the two leads. It's it's technically um, awesome. It looks beautiful and uh, it's well worth uh, pit and play if it pops up on your Netflix queue.
1: Well, it did on ours. The algorithm is, is watching for sure. As soon as you <laughs> speed, it came up, but yeah, and it's, it is on my short list. I didn't realize it was there. I do now. So I'll probably check it out eventually because my, my grandfather was there in 1917 and that's when he uh, ended up with uh, shrapnel in his, in his head and, and out of the war, he did survive, but of mm. course life irrevocably changed from that. So mm-hmm. it would definitely be an interesting one to see because it, you know, it's, it 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 is it has that sweeping epic feel. Same with did you get the same feeling with Dunkirk, which I have seen? But it's it's that kind of like it's almost like a movie they don't really make anymore. Although they start to again <laughs> with those sweeping shots and the uh, you know it's it's a grand scale thing rather than type. like. I things.
0: I like Dunkirk, but um, Christopher Nolan's so obsessed with the timing of things and having everything line up. You can't quite uh, right yeah. You can't you can't quite get the human. There are scenes in that where you, you get the human stakes, but um, Nolan is so obsessed with the clockwork and the ticking. It's, that's literally in the soundtrack, but mm. I, I have no problem with Dunkirk. I think it's a perfectly fine movie. Um, is, would by chance that be your number two or do you have a different number? No, it's not. Nine? I just happened to mention it because
1: when, <laughs> yeah, no. My number two is is going back a bit to 1993 and it is Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen Schindler's List in a while, but it is the kind of film that leaves an impression. And uh, I think there's enough. Well, it's almost thirty years ago now. Mm-hmm. There's probably enough time has passed that people haven't seen it, but I also think it is back on Netflix uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely worth checking out. Worth checking out if you haven't seen it. I know you have, Adam. I'm going to say for sure, mm-hmm. uh, starring Liam Neeson as Oscar Schindler, uh, Rafe Fiennes as the um, SS officer. Uh, goth. Mm -hmm. And then Kingsley is, you know, just star studded uh, and those three in particular. Um, But so people that don't know the story, Oscar Schindler was a, uh, was a Nazi. So here we go again with, you know, getting something from the uh, other perspective, but he's actually the only, I found this out later, the only Nazi that is, is, is buried in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, a bit of a twist. So uh, Oscar Schindler had a factory and he f- filled the factory with uh, Jewish workers who were who were um, being were going to be deported to uh, concentration camps. This was in Krakow in in Poland, and uh, was considered you know righteous among nations for saving these people. And the, and the film is the whole, um, not the whole timeline, but the 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 timeline of um, mass deportations beginning, but also the. Uh, you know, the Nazis are, uh, it's the, the pressure is on them at this point And, uh, you know, the, uh, the entire thing is that the third Reich is, is falling apart and all the dynamics that go with that. So, uh, yeah. And that it again, interesting perspective as only, you know, it's, it's Spielberg's masterpiece. I think of all mm-hmm. his films, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's a common, uh, a common belief, uh, you know, he's, it's a, for me personally, Spielberg is kind of hit and miss, but you know, seven Oscars, seven BAFTAs, you know, golden globes, a well decorated film and, and, well,
0: uh, well earned for sure. It's, uh, it's definitely one of his tightest movies, uh, which is weird to say at three, I think it's three hours and 18 minutes long. <laughs> um, oh, is it? yeah. Yeah. I, it is a long <laughs> haul for sure. Yeah. Um, but it is, I, th- I think like narratively speaking, it is, uh, I mean, if we're not talking about like the popcorn stuff, like Jaws and Jurassic Park, it, yeah, you know, and not to belittle that, it has its yeah. place. I'm just saying, right. it like, it's a very different
1: movie, right? First,
0: so. yeah, pro- it's it's probably that or Munich. Um, those are probably the, his two sort of like narratively tightest movies. Um, at, at that at least don't go off the rails at the end with him, like hitting you. We talked about this before on this show, Spielberg hitting you over the head with the narrative, like at the end of. Uh, the post when it has like the the epilogue breaking at the Watergate, it's like yeah we get it nixon was a bad dude um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. um but it's also interesting schindler's list was kind of back in the news news recently because uh the, the 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 well the woman um who played the little girl in the red coat in the film which is so um important to understanding the turn of oscar schindler in the movie hmm. um she is she, or, uh, i assume she still is helping refugees get out of ukraine um, oh, so, one. yeah, so it's, 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 it's fascinating <laughs> how some of this stuff comes around. Um, I would point out to Oscar Schindler, uh, was one of these, uh, people who joined the Nazi party cause he wanted to do business with Germans. And, uh, so you gotta, you gotta fly the colors if you want to get the green, as they say. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are but there were Nazis and then there were uh, Nazis. So it's <laughs> yeah, um, you boat crew. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. exactly. Uh, my second pick is uh, going to the Gulf War. Three Kings from David O. Russell um, starring George Clooney, Ice Cube, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, it's about a trio of army reservists. It's the end of the Persian Gulf War. They're wondering what the heck they were doing there essentially the there was really no fighting to say uh they they launched the the counteroffensive and the iraqis gave up rather quickly and so they uh they find a map to gold that was stolen from kuwait uh they think it's going to be go in get out get the gold live live get get back to the united states somehow live large but they end up coming across um Iraqis who are taken prisoner because, you know, they're essentially political prisoners or the wrong, they're the wrong type of Muslim. And it becomes a humanitarian story as um, the, these, these three guys um, have to confront, you know, do they just take the goal and leave and abandon all these people? And, uh, or do they actually try and help them get across the border into Iran and, you know, actually save lives? It's this, it sounds a little more, you know, uh, saccharine than it is i mean it's complete the, the movie is completely cynical but even the the actions of the men in it uh fits within like you kind of understand why they're doing it they're sort of pushed you, you know they're they, they take taking this cynical decision to go in, steal gold that was stolen in order to make the war worthwhile and inadvertently find um something that will make the war uh worthwhile for them and um it, it's it's such a It's a funny movie. It's a violent movie. It's a deeply disturbing movie in some ways. Um, But, and, and, you know, you just feel the heat and the desolation of the Iraqi desert. That's the, I think, Nigel Thomas Siegel was the cinematographer. So it was, it's, it's, it's really, really great filmmaking and, and not a typical war movie in any way, but it is immensely fascinating to watch Three Kings.
1: Wow, and I, I missed that one completely. But I did, you know, vaguely remember seeing the uh, the trailer or whatever. But I take it's not bait. I mean, Gulf War obviously real, but this film isn't based on a true story. Although these kinds of things happen in war, obviously, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's yeah, that's uh, an in- interesting premise. But uh, yeah, I don't. It's what when did you say it was from? Is like 20 years ago or
0: uh it was 99, so it was like one of those movies that came out in like the, the best movie year ever, which you know, so also it was, pre-9-11, the tone would probably be different post-91. Yeah. Uh I mean, maybe because you get movies post-9-11, you get movies like Stop Loss and Jarhead, which are also about sort of like hmm. so soldiers who went to war and are, you know, sort of deeply like deeply disturbed by what they saw, but are also deeply disturbed by um. Like the lack of real stakes in the war that they were sent to like, you know, terrible war zones and did terrible things and they have no idea why. So, yep. um, you know, the movies are often <laughs> we don't often think of, you know, because, you know, liberal Hollywood. But, you know, they, it's also <laughs> like a barometer of just, you know, how. Oh, yeah how deeply affecting things are and how things are are kind of sold to us or not what they seem. So I could go, I could go in, I could go on and on, but anyway, uh, whole we need the, <laughs> a whole other show, a whole other show. We need your number three, my number three. And I'm not, I
1: don't know if this is the best movie, but it's definitely on my picks list and that would be the great escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from, it's from what I would, I've always called the family of dad movies, let's say, mm-hmm. Uh men of a certain generation including my father's generation who weren't in the war but just sort of on the cusp of it uh those kinds of films when they were on tv when we did such a thing when we waited for things to be on television <laughs> like uh bridge on the river kwai is another one and the dirty dozen um i think for a lot of uh men my age that was sort of the you know bonding with the dad is like okay clear the decks because one of these films uh is on um <laughs> <laughs> and it, of course, it, it inspired. Uh, you know, going back a bit, and inspired. I believe it inspired the show Hogan's uh, Heroes,
0: mm-hmm. among other
1: things. Was and maybe even MASH to some degree, although MASH was its own story and film. Um, I had an uncle who, he was he was actually in the Italian campaign, which we're going to talk about, and he hated. For, you know any representation of war that made it made light of Nazis or uh anything that involved comedy he hated Hogan's heroes he hated all that stuff but you know he he it's and and that's understandable but uh, you know in our house it was like a uh, great escape was was you know if it's on it was being watched um and in retrospect learning of you know it, that was based on a true story and uh, it was actually a a Canadian was involved in the the uh, that's right the consultations yeah. um who was a uh I guess he was a coal miner as well. Wally Floody. Mm-hmm. I had to look that up, but I sort of vaguely remembered the story. He was a coal miner uh, and, but also a pilot, and was actually involved with the Great Escape. He was the one digging the tunnels. I guess the Charles Bronson character uh, was based on him. Very few Canadians in these in these things, <laughs> even though they were there. I was like, okay, this is a, you know, there's a Canadian angle to the story. They would just stick. Usually, it was like the the other, uh, you know, Commonwealth troops. Like there's a random Australian Who's the Australian? I remember how bad that accident. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, it's, it's so long since I've seen this, but of course it's the kind of thing that sticks with you because I've seen it so many times. And in Mm -hmm. retrospect, learning that the, you know, the, the whole Steve McQueen motorcycle chase, which is very famous for its stunt and whatnot is actually, you know, that would never have happened, but that that's the movies. Right. Um, Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great escape knowing that was based on a, on a, uh, a true story and, you know, somewhat epic. I probably with commercials, it seemed to run a long time. Uh, when I was a kid, like it took all afternoon to watch this thing, but, uh, I'm going to check it out again. Now that we're
0: talking about, it, I'm like, yeah, I should probably watch that again. James Coburn played the James Oscar. Coburn. Yeah. Australian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, James Coburn can not really, you know, talk to him.
1: No, but it was cool <laughs> that it had an international feel to it. Right. That it wasn't just about, it was like, okay, all these guys are together and, um, mm-hmm. trying to get out.
0: Mm -hmm. um my you mentioned my third pick actually because it it, it is definitely part of the dad movie oeuvre um which is the dirty dozen oh yeah 1967 directed by robert aldrich who also did uh flight of the phoenix which is definitely another dad movie kiss me. oh yeah yeah kiss me deadly which is like one of the you know most uh well-known and one of the best film noirs ever. He also did whatever happened to Baby Jane. So oh. I feel like this guy's an underappreciated auteur. Mm, okay. uh, <laughs> um, so th- the plot is uh, fairly well known. Uh, 12 convicted um, convicts are brought together for a mission to essentially assassinate the Nazi high command in France right before D Day uh, to cut off uh, the command and control structure of the Nazis and make it harder than. Harder to uh, organize resistance to the, the D-Day invasion. Uh, Lee Marvin is a major Reisman who is, uh, you know, this, you know, uh, career army guy who's, who's put in charge of the operation. Lee Marvin, of course, like a man's man, mm-hmm. um, y- you know, just uh, every, like. Is You know, the, he's kind of the dad. He's like the ultimate dad vision of, you know, middle aged uh, stoicism and uh, fortitude and, and uh, stick it to the man. You know, he's 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 what every dad wants to be at middle age. Um, but then you also get, you know, you get uh, Jim Brown, you get Telly Savalas, uh, Charles Bronson again, uh, George Kennedy, John Cassavetes, Donald Sutherland uh some actually a lot of the, I was surprised by how many of the dozen are still alive like not really like the famous ones like Kennedy and and Savalas and Bronson but uh, like some of the guys who retired from acting like Colin Maitland uh he, he's still around of course uh Jim Brown and Donald Sutherland are still with us too um but and yeah it so, I was sorry. gonna say they would have
1: been that little bit younger than some of the other people right
0: yeah this is true I think Jim Brown was like still playing football at the time so wow. um so, I mean, this was like his you know acting was a side. Actually, he was he was trying to get into acting. I'm trying to think back to One Night in Miami, which also has Jim Brown or a character being playing Jim Brown in it. But he was trying to bring into movies then um, in sort of the, the early 60s. Anyway, that's not here nor there. Um, the, the point is, it is uh, a great uh, war movie um, in terms of just like you get the unit together. The unit trains. They go into the mission. Things go wrong during the mission, including some a couple of key members of the team. Uh, let's just say going off script, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. and then <laughs> and then it's uh, it's a process of of how of who's going to make it to the end of the mission and uh, get their um, get their pardon, which is what all the criminals uh, are recruited are in it for. They complete the mission and survive. They will get a pardon. And some of the guys are, are, you know, going to be put to death. So there's an obvious incentive to succeed. But, you know, some of them, like the Savalas character, are just kind of, um, well, let's just say... (laughs) Psychopath. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's the other great thing about the movie. Like, one of the things action movies kind of get wrong is just treating, you know, people as, you know, the body count. And one of the things that dirty dozen gets right is that every character kind of gets their own basically yes yeah you know, character that every every one of them is distinguishable in their own way and you're sorry like you know even though they're like ter- a lot of them are terrible criminals <laughs> you are sorry when you know they they uh let's just say uh check out of the movie um so it's uh it 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 is really great at sort of building up character, building up that team dynamic, um, and it's it's no wonder that it's it's often imitated, uh, rarely duplicated. Also interesting, Dirty doesn't spawn three sequels.
1: Oh yeah, the Dirty Dozen return. I vaguely
0: remember. <laughs> I've <laughs> I've have you have, have you? Oh, you've have seen one of them. Interesting. So the because- Dirty
1: Dozen returns or something. I'm not. I don't think anybody. Hold on, hold on. I have the I list at the remember, bottom. Here. But I do, the, the interesting thing about these films, a lot of people that were in them, like Lee Marvin, yeah. Charles Bronson, and most of the people in The Great Escape were actual veterans. Mm-hmm. So they knew, including the, I think the German actors in uh, The Great Escape as well. So they, you know, they they add sort of a yeah, yeah, you know, bit of panache to it that might not have been there otherwise. Particularly Lee, Lee Marvin. My goodness. I mean, he was a very young man, I think, when he was in the the
0: service. But uh, yeah,
1: yeah, he nailed that for sure.
0: There was the Dirty Dozen colon Next Mission, the Dirty Dozen colon The Deadly Mission, and the Dirty Dozen colon The Fatal Mission.
1: Wow, that Um, many, eh?
0: Yeah, so. (laughs) What is the Fast and Furious (laughs) of of 40 years ago? I don't know. I mean, it is interesting. I Last year, um, I bought like one of those. Those sets of where you get like four movies in like one case, and it was like mm-hmm. it was psycho it was you get uh like I already had psycho, but i I had never seen the psycho sequels, and so I sat down one afternoon and I watched the psycho sequels, and you know what number three not too shabby oh <laughs> so don't discount the, <laughs> the 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 never the never considered sequels um number three psycho three isn't too bad if. If uh, anyone's listening and interested. is it still
1: the Anthony Perkins?
0: Yeah. Perkins is uh, I was going to say he's in. He is in four, but four is kind of like a, a prequel sequel where it's mm-hmm. uh it, it. It's a sequel at the beginning of the end and there's a prequel in the middle. Right. If you know what I mean? It goes back in time to when his mother was still alive and his mother was played by, if I'm remembering correctly, Olivia Hussey. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs>
1: classic hollywood right olivia house
0: yeah uh the Ziffarelli romeo and juliet that was her big break so yeah all that's enough <laughs> that's enough <laughs> light on psycho because we have uh it sounds it sounds on topic but it's actually not operation mincemeat uh we're going to review that after the break you are listening to end credits not open sources you're listening to end credits here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca 12 campus and community radio
1: It's the roar of a
0: wild, wild ocean When, Lord, the day's rolling In five weeks, 100,000 British forces will strike Sicily's southern shore. Unfortunately, the Nazis know of our intentions. So we're going to play a humiliating trick on Hitler. (laughs) We have to convince Germany that our target is Greece. The plan begins in Spain, where a corpse will wash up on shore, bearing classified letters.
1: A corpse carrying fake documents. given the fascist network there, we could quite literally float the documents right into enemy hands.
0: Okay. Prime Minister, that's too big a risk. The fate of the world is at stake. The
1: plan is highly implausible.
0: So when can it be ready? Well, let's say we start with the easy part and find ourselves a corpse. All right, and that was a clip from Operation Mincemeat. It's the new film from John Madden, and it stars Colin Firth, Matthew McFadden, Kelly McDonald, Penelope, Wilton, Johnny Flynn, Mark Gaddis, and Jason Isaacs. And I just want to note off the top here, um, in Operation Mincemeat, you get two Mr. Darcy's for the price of one.
1: <laughs> That's right. Because
0: <laughs> you, get, you get Colin Firth, who's pro- perhaps the most famous um, and the most lusted after Mr. Darcy from the, the BBC miniseries in the 90s, and Matthew McFadden, who is Mr. Darcy, and Joe Wright. Uh, Pride and Prejudice starring um oh what's her name Keira Knightley in 2005 oh yeah yeah so uh yeah this is you just mr Darcy this movie all over the place man Darcy anyway. doubt. it was yeah
1: it was bound to <laughs> it was bound to happen considering the roles that they play that, that something like this would
0: would transpire right <laughs> the long-awaited mr Darcy crossover <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Scotty, uh, how, how this usually works is the person who picks the movie gets to go first and explains uh, why they wanted to check out this movie and and what they thought of it. So, why did you want to check out Operation Mincemeat and what did you think of it?
1: Well, as I'd said off the top, I will watch any any of this type of film, especially in spies, codes, uh, and this this seemed to have all of that stuff. And I sort of knew the backstory a, a little bit from uh, you know other media and whatnot, particularly documentaries. And uh, yeah, so I was interested in seeing how they would uh, present this story. And uh, should I tell the story? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So it's uh, 1943. The tide is sort of turning in Europe in terms of uh, how, the war effort. Uh, this, the Soviets have the um, Germans bogged down. And um, some of this turf that I'm covering isn't actually mentioned in the film, which I think may be one of his shortcomings, but we'll get to that, I guess. So Soviets are are... are bogging the Nazis down, but they're dying for another front uh, to open up in Europe. And as Churchill says more than once, and everybody knows the phrase, the soft underbelly of Europe is Italy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So the the premise is that there's a need to, for the allied forces to start a second front somewhere in Europe. And the obvious choice is Sicily, the bottom of Italy. Now, this is where it gets wild because this is the kind of truth stranger than fiction. And like, what is, (laughs) One of the more bizarre ideas, yet deceptively simple, that they could come up with. To the whole idea is to create deception, as happens in uh, in all conflicts. Right? It's a it's a it's standard operating procedure now, where it's like, okay, how can we uh, throw a wrench into this and make the opposing side think something else is going on? So they they hatch this plan, where can we get a a body to wash up on the shores of Europe? <laughs> That has information in it which is incorrect to deceive uh the nazi and german high command that a different operation will be happening that the allied forces will be going to uh, greece mm-hmm.
0: instead
1: of italy which was the absolute obvious choice mm-hmm. and the um i guess i'm not giving too much away here because we have to sort of reveal it the damn thing <laughs> works <laughs> Yeah, So, of course, you have to make uh, you know, more than one movie in a book and everything about this because it's like, what are the odds? And this was something that uh, Ch- Churchill had encouraged uh, with the, the establishment of the Special Operations Executive in World War II was like, we need to get people to think outside of the box. We need to get people who can just cause havoc no matter what and no matter how. Mm-hmm. And yet this idea, which supposedly was stolen from from a, a like a, the equivalent of a dime store novel. <laughs> there was a, there was a, the backstory is there was a, there was a story It's a similar story where it was like, you know, you could do this, you could, you could get a body and you could kind of, you know, somehow get it to the opposition. um, And, you know, so, so a certain amount of like confusion as to what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, I guess, the miracle of the, of the whole
0: thing is that this actually worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, Churchill in, in the in the film anyway I don't know if Churchill said it in real life but also the the, the actor who played Churchill Simon Russell Beale, uh really really good his Churchill mm-hmm. is um uh, also I, I should add I, I did look up and I was like this guy's look he looks so much like Churchill he's probably done it more than once and in fact he has done it more than once you can say he's
1: related <laughs> to him or something
0: <laughs> <laughs> um no no uh but he has uh put on the Churchill uh, derby before some critical acclaim so
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but he's he literally says the line uh to to john godfrey at one point he says you know this is this plan is like so unbelievable which is exactly why someone might believe it and um i mean there's a lot of truth to that i mean if, if you think about stuff that we talk about on our other show like q and stuff like that like that stuff is crazy how could anyone believe that of course they do believe it so um you know random body washes up on shore he's wearing the the uniform of a royal marine he's got uh some really damning papers and in, in his attache case uh you know it seems too too good to be true um but you know it you're right truth is stranger than fiction and uh and this is this is one of those stories. Also, what I like about it is too that, and this is laid out in the. I will say it gets. I'm not a fan of voiceover narration generally. Yeah. Um, and and this, I mean, it it walks over the line of too much um, in Operation Mincemeat. but. W- at the beginning, when you're getting the the Ian Fleming narration, um, also that's another beef I'll get into in a sec. But <laughs> I, I, re- I realized Ian Fleming was there, but the James Bond Easter eggs were egregious. Um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, it went into like Murdoch mysteries territory there at one point, right? It's like, oh, it,
0: it was egregious, yeah. um, <laughs> but um. Oh, God, where was I going with this? Uh, the, the, the whole thing. I actually forget where I was going with this. I got so caught up in the egregiousness of the, the, <laughs> of the, the <laughs> contribution, which was a thing. But yet it was right. like, it yeah, wasn't the exclusive thing. The, the narration. That's right. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Um, the, the narration where he says the lines like there are two types of wars. There's the one on the battlefield and there's the one. Um, that's in the shadows and of course this is a story about one of the shadows and one of the interesting things that I think the story does is it makes you wonder like what is the worst battlefield it's like yeah if you're working at home and you're doing all this skullduggery stuff um, yeah you're at home you get to go to the gargoyle club and have a drink and you get to sleep in a warm bed and you know yeah you're probably concerned about Nazi planes going ahead bombing you and Having to, you know, live in blackout conditions and maybe having to run to the bomb shelter. But, you know, there's also, you know, other spies walking around and you yeah. have to keep, you're keeping secrets and, you know, maybe you're sending your family to go live in America for safekeeping because you're, you know, you're part Jewish and you know that if the Nazis take uh, the island that, you know, your family will be the first to be rounded up. It's, um, you know, it, there is real sort of danger on the home front too. Um, And uh, sometimes danger you don't anticipate also perhaps danger within, because there's the whole subplot with uh, the Colin Firth character Montague, his brother, maybe being a a communist sympathizer and maybe being a Soviet spy, which Mm -hmm. actually I I went, I did a deep dive on, well, maybe not a deep dive on Ivar Montague. I, I, uh, I read his Wikipedia page, but it just turns out he, he really likes ping pong or he really liked ping pong. Um, and it really didn't go too much deeper than that. Um, although he did get a, he, he did get like I don't know what they were called technically, but it, it was like the Lenin Award, which the Soviet Union gave out yeah. to, to well, foreigners. I, <laughs> yeah,
1: that, and that, that's a bit of spin in retrospect because I yeah. in, in those times it was actually not difficult to be a communist it was after or a socialist of any description it was it was after the war yeah actually you know the britain elected a socialist government in 1945 and got rid of churchill that's a whole other story that's this is (laughs) us dipping into open source territory but but anyway yeah it, it was it wasn't an odd thing and this there was an emphasis in this film on it being like Oh no, he's a communist. Look out. Now you know there was there was some uncertainty because, you know, mm. not a couple few years before it was like the Soviets had a non-aggression pact with uh, Nazi yeah. Germany, right? And then yeah. then everything turned. But that that is war, right? But yeah, they and I you know Mark Gatiss, who's in a ton of stuff, um, that storyline could have played out a bit better. In fact, it could have probably have been it could probably be its own uh, film. Yeah, uh, and th- th- it is one of the shortcomings of this is that, especially off the top, there they tried to jam in so much about what was going on, and it's the kind of thing where, as I do, if you know a little bit of the story, it helps. But if mm. you were just brought into it fresh and didn't know any of the backstory, it, it might be a little bit uh, difficult to follow. And that, yeah, that's <laughs> the 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 Fleming narration. There may have, he <laughs> he was involved, but there was there was maybe a little bit too much emphasis on that to try and. I mean the way it was written it sounded like he may have, it may have been things that he had actually written I didn't really look into that too much um but yeah I, you know stru- structurally and I guess you know to jam it all into the 2 hour package you have to take some liberties uh <laughs> with things so it's like yes it's rooted in history um an- another one of the things I've always kind of found problematic with this setup is is the whole and it kind of speaks to bond actually is the older man and the much younger woman storyline that, that is in this, I guess that's mm-hmm. not giving too much away, but the whole, the Jean Leslie slash Kelly McDonald story, who was a real person and was mm-hmm. involved in this operation. And that the whole, this also isn't giving too much away, but there's, there's a photo of one of the people working there. Um, that's supposed to be the girlfriend of this fictitious officer. that has been created. Who is the actual um, mincemeat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That the titular mince meat. So the photo is real and then there's a lot of conjecture in there to kind of create this romance between you know the battle of the Mr Darcy's over this woman. Um <laughs> so, you know, you could almost say that these these types of movies don't get made without some kind of storyline like that and I was thinking back to the Canadian one uh, World War 1 passion dale which I'm sure you've seen Adam but I yes. uh, I had to turn that one off because it was just so overbearing. Um and again, it was that same, that, that's maybe just a personal thing. I was, a lot of people like that kind of, um, storyline, but it did, it, it, I thought it, it detracted a bit from telling this, you know, the, the, the bigger part of the story. But then again, I lean hard into documentaries too. So I'm like, I'm all about the facts. <laughs> right? So it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It was just kind of like, ah, you're really focusing on this too much. Can you, can we, can we find out about like, um, you know the science behind the thing i like the scenes where they're sort of waiting for the teletype to kick in that's my favorite i was like
0: oh yeah they used
1: in right it's like yeah yeah, it's,
0: yeah yeah the use of teletype and you know the and the, the, different the, phone lines you know, like, yeah i love that stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. um it's i guess it's phone porn um but yeah i i was not a big fan of the if you can call it a love triangle like no one's really it's not really a conventional romance but i I did find it sort of interesting how you know this older guy uh montague and uh, this younger woman uh jean i'm I'm a bit disappointed that because it's very clear she's ambitious because she gives up like a snapshot of herself to uh chomondley um the the matthew mcfadden character essentially to like get a seat at the she says like this gets me a seat at the table i'm going to give you this but you like you bring me into this operation and so there's kind of like an interesting bit of like ambition to her and she leaves the the film near the end because she gets a a, an appointment to special operations um it would have been nice to see a bit more of that ambitious woman than um the whole thing with the love triangle although i will concede it, it there's an interesting psychology behind it all where it's like they are getting so wrapped up in creating the fake romance between the fake gene and yeah. the and the and the fake um martin uh is the 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 character they uh, major martin the character they come up with that you know it, it it you know it ends up blurring the lines between you know fiction and and reality Uh, there's something about that i did like but yeah but you're right i would i'm I'm much more interested in the spy craft especially the (laughs) and it's kind of a comedy of errors trying to get the fake briefcase with the fake letters to like nazi high command and there's like the scene where they they've the operation's finally underway the body was washed ashore in spain they've brought it to the authorities and the policeman is like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> here's the briefcase. Your guy was carrying, take it back. Make sure it gets back to London. And he's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, this is supposed to go to the Nazis first. What are you doing? Like following proper procedure. Um, and I loved all that stuff. And I love the, uh, the guy Ainsworth, who uh, it is <laughs> speaking of like stuff. That's definitely not in the James Bond movie where he's like essentially has to, um, do hand stuff with i'm gonna say oh like take your let your imagination go where it must but he's he meets with the leader of the spanish secret police and they exchange hand stuff so that they can make Mm. the next part of the plan move forward um like all that stuff is is sort of fat but he also that's the kind of stuff that you makes you understand why um i mean that's again the James Bond references were egregious, but yeah. I mean, that subtle stuff, you can can, can understand why that would sort of a uh, peak Fleming's imagination.
1: Yeah. And I think that Ainsworth character was, was kind of a, a composite, not a real person. Whereas yeah. the other people generally in the movie uh, are, or were, and that, you know, that's again, to move things forward, but again, that kind of stuff had to happen, right? You, there, there's all sorts of, you know, spy craft stories of like the, the things that you had to do, Um, to get the job done so not sure if that specifically happened in this uh situation but that kind of stuff uh definitely did happen for sure yeah and i mean this is this is the type of movie that the british do well and Mm -hmm. uh you know on a parallel would be the imitation game Mm -hmm. which was sort of my one of my runners up for the other list of of movies but um (laughs) same and and involving enigma and so there's lots of overlap the enigma you know the code breaking machines where I, i think that this um mince meat didn't really focus enough on that because some a lot of the deception that was being thrown out there was that the the british knew how to uh decode german messages but also to to send other messages back I, you there was that one scene where they're on, you know you please use the unsecured line yeah it's yeah like, okay, make sure that they know and then they have this this stilted i guess conversation It's like yeah you know the briefcase is there uh but, that, but again, that another layer to the deception so it wasn't just the body washing ashore there was all this intel coming back to them that they had just figured out how to crack yeah um you know, within not minutes, but there was this period of time and also a whole other story there where it was like, okay, we know what they're going to do next and we know what they're thinking and we know what they know. Mm-hmm. That sort of played into the bigger picture stuff. But yeah, again, going just briefly touching on the imitation game, having to create that relationship between Alvin Turing or Alan Turing and uh, the Kira Knightley character mm-hmm. uh, was the same. You know, we need this relationship because so that's, that, it, there's a pattern there. I mean, even in the finest hour with uh, Churchill and his uh, secret, there was no relationship there, but there would, there has to be some kind of male female dynamic in the, in these movies. It is the pattern, right? So, yeah, but uh, all worth watching. Everything I've said, there was like, you know, and, but the, at least thankfully this one you mentioned Churchill off the top. The, uh, they didn't over Churchill this one. A lot of times the focus is on Churchill.
0: No. Yeah. They uh, there's just enough Churchill um, to, to sort of, uh, I, I guess be satisfied it, it's um he looked just enough like churchill to sell it there was just enough you know he he there were just enough sort of like zingers yeah. and um, i mean <laughs> he didn't ham it up too much he did, yeah there was he did. no hamming um which, which i appreciated uh yeah it's th- this is like a really this is a really great sort of british movie and i think it also fits in with the like the dad movie oeuvre this idea that you know uh when the world needs saving a middle-aged white man comes to the rescue but um, <laughs> <laughs> but That's definitely a type yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it, it's 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 like really well acted um it's uh you know the the details are fascinating like the whole thing as you said like with the um use of the non-secure line and the fact like yeah we've got every room in that embassy bug right oh yes like they you know they it, yeah. it's fascinating how much of spy craft is just like you know Everything's an open secret. It's like, yeah, everything is bugged, and we have <laughs> we have our untapped line and our tapped lines, and it's it's just you know it, it's a wonder the the world was ever saved. Sometimes, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, it's 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 a solid movie um, that is uh, well acted and uh, and also well made too. Uh, the uh, I like the cinematography in it. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the cinematographer was Sebastian Blenkov, who's done a lot of TV and smaller stuff, but uh, he worked with John Madden. John Madden, people may not uh, know too well, but, you know, he he did uh, Shakespeare in Love. Uh, he did another actually <laughs> Italian centric war movie, uh, Captain corelli's mandolin oh that
1: was him yeah yeah
0: um lately he's kind of known for the best exotic marigold hotel movies um so he he also uh so sebastian Blunkoff worked with uh madden on his last movie miss sloan which was kind of like a washington it's kind of oh what was that Sandra rhyme show about washington scandal it was, it was kind of like in that oeuvre except oh. somehow darker um and so it's it's you know well within his capability, but the, the the cinematography I liked a lot is what I was trying to get at. Um, I like the the grays of London. I like the kind of the one short battle scene they show of the invasion of Italy, where it's it's again it's it's a night shot and everything's being lit by sort of like fire and mm-hmm. and uh, mortars and and things. So it's like all black and orange, which um, was really effective. And uh, the, the the scenes where the, the fake Major Martin washes up on shore in Italy, it, that was a beautiful scene, like with the waves and you see the bodies gently kind of being lapped up on shore. It's uh, it's kind of it, it's horrific, of course, um, this poor man who died by suicide and being used in such a way. And also, uh, his real identity was not known for, for 55 years, I think, in nineteen ninety. Yeah. 899 I finally got around to you, like oh by the way this major martin guy who's buried her his real name what is his real name it's uh i have it right here uh glinder michael right? yes yeah, yeah. glinder michael is his is his name so yeah he he uh, poisoned himself uh and, and of course there's this, the heartbreaking it, 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 i wish it I wish there had been a little bit more to that scene where they meet his I think it's his sister who comes to claim him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, sorry, we can't we can't give you your brother's body because he's being used in service of his country. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if anything else, this get, I guess this gets to stand in, in tribute to uh, a man whose name wasn't known until about 20 years ago, who, you know. And yeah, and
1: it would take a long time to, to, to declassify that stuff. Yeah.
0: This film, there was like yeah. an older, ver- what was the film? The Man Who Never Was, the, the sort of older version of this movie, very similar. And well, that one was based on Montague's own book, too. Yeah. So that was... Um... I watched the preview <laughs>
1: for that, and you can see the shades of this film in that a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's back then they didn't you know no and the other thing too the amazing part of this the official secrets act okay you sign this paper you're never going to say anything And a lot of people took this stuff to their graves right they never spilled the beans it's the same with i mean the people in my family who are regular soldiers they really i mean i don't know if it's just because of what they saw Mm -hmm. but also never ever really wanted to talk about it right because like Mm -hmm. you know i just don't want to you know they did what they had to do not gonna not gonna talk about it but
0: i mean it's it's i mean for anyone involved in this stuff that's pretty much the way it's going to be because like some of the stuff is classified to like a hundred years and a day (laughs) after you know the operation is wrapped so it's you know uh, and we're creeping ever closer to that too so you know there'll be more yeah right yeah yeah that's true um there there will be revelations to come and uh wow that was kind of uh that was kind of a trailer line there. There will be, rel- anyway. Uh,
1: the revelations to come.
0: <laughs> revelations next to time come. on end credits. Yeah. <laughs> the end credits trailer. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of the end credits, we do have to roll the end credits. We've reached the end of the show. Uh, So that is it for this week's show. And we hope you liked it. If you want to listen to it again, you can find it on our website, endcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And speaking of Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear used here on End Credits. Just open up Spotify, search for End Credits on CFRU to find that playlist. You can find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Scotty, where can people find you on the internet or in other places on CFRU?
1: Two or three places generally. Scotty Hurts on Facebook, Scotty Hurts on Twitter, and on CFRU uh, Thursdays at 5 with somebody called Adam A. Donaldson, a show <laughs> called uh, Open Sources. And I almost said end credits, but uh, <laughs> hopefully our universes will, you know, will remain separated because I think it, you know if this keeps happening, eventually you know, <laughs> there'll be a black hole or some sort of you know, physics
0: reaction. It's it's a mistake I almost make 12 times a week. <laughs> anyway, uh, as Scotty said, I will be back here tomorrow on CFRU 5 p.m. for News and Politics and Open Sources 12 with Scotty Hertz. Uh, who is conveniently, that. Yes, who's conveniently right here right now. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at anime Dawson, or you can check out my news and politics site at Guelphpolitico.ca. Candace will return uh, from the campaign trail in a couple of weeks. So if you miss Candace this week, don't worry. She will be back and stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM CFRU.ca. Guelph campus and community radio. This show generally speaking we'll be back next wednesday at 3 p.m and we'll have more end credits for you then and we will definitely see you then